Welcome to Dark Days Radio, and we're back with another interesting and different episode. Uh, we'll be covering um, Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8. So, spoiler alert throughout the entirety of this episode. Don't come you know, whining if we spoil something, because this is all about what we can learn from those games for RPGs. And I'm one of the regular hosts of Dark Days Radio. I'm Chris, and I'm joined by James. Hello, James. Hi there. Hi there. It's lovely to be back. It's always good to have you back on here. Um, so, as I said, we're going to be talking about Resident Evil, because um, we like the Resident Evil games. They're pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, so before we get into that main topic of discussion, we're going to talk a bit, little bit about what interesting gaming news there is. So, uh, interesting news and things that are out. Obviously, uh, there's a World of Darkness TV show. Come, uh, yeah, that's apparently in development. So that's interesting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about vampire shows on the next uh, Dread cassette when we get around to recording that. Uh, other interesting things out uh, you can get from Cubicle 7, you can get Patrons of the Old World, uh, which came out just a few days ago, which is, again, like patrons, people you can work for, villains uh, you can uh, you can work against in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, 4th uh, edition. Uh, there's also a new uh, scenario out that came out towards the end of the month, uh, end of April, called Something Knocking. Um which is uh, something to do with the wilderness and to do with trade and pirates. So that's kind of cool. Uh, there's also out towards the end of the April, there was uh, Salasara's Spells of Unrivaled Utility. So, you know, classic magic in the Warhammer world being either ultra dangerous or completely benign and not very dangerous. They're either one way or the other. Uh, also, currently, if you go on to uh, Modifius's shop, um, they've got the Vampire Masquerade Summer of Blood, and there's some big, big savings to be had in their bundles. So for like 80 quid, you can get yourself a copy of uh, the Camarilla Anarch book, uh, Storyteller Screen, Fall of London, uh, Set of Dice... Uh, and discipline cards. Actually, I should really buy a copy of that because I need those two books. Um, and I, I don't have any of those. And then larger, the larger bundles have like you know, copy of Vampire the Masquerade in there, and the large one's got a copy of Vampire the Masquerade, and also like I think a luxury edition of uh, Vampire the Masquerade. So it's one of those like faux leather tome ones. So that's kind of cool. Um, what else is out, James? That's interesting. There's some Kickstarters, obviously. I mean, mostly it'll be been and gone by the time is uh, Weird and Wild from White Ink Studios. Oh, yeah. We interviewed them last uh, on the previous episode to this. So hopefully they'll have like a backer's kit, you know, late backer kind of uh, option for that. Uh, we can hope, but you should check out that. Um, there's nothing else new that I can think of from Onyx Path currently other than Onyx Path Con is coming up soon. Uh towards the end of june i believe um and uh yeah what else is there james anything else interesting that's taking your fancy um oh i 
I've been reading a lot of Blades in the Dark. That's old news at the moment, but um, I've been reading a lot of that RPG or the rule book. Uh, gotta say, you know, really, really interested, really looking forward to maybe running a session of it. Um, uh, and also um, in video game news, Subnautica Below Zero has finally hit its version one release. Um, I might have mentioned Subnautica before. It's an underwater exploration game. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone with a little bit of that philosophobia, um uh i find i find it really like really scary um mm. and you know if you're looking for something uh something interesting and potentially scary to play um i would say go and have a look if you haven't played the first one i would recommend the first one over the second one um mainly because the second one tries to build on some of the themes established there yeah cool um yeah uh what else is interesting oh and the other thing is like i picked up recently um a oculus quest 2 which is a curious um self-contained virtual reality device uh from facebook because they own oculus uh so i've tried out on their super hot vr which is really really cool (laughs) it's like really fun game um, and is also a bit of a workout. You stretch and can talk to try and dodge bullets while shooting people. And, you know, um, it really works in that kind of for that thing. Uh, and then the other one, which I need to play a bit more of yet, is uh, Wraith the Oblivion uh, Afterlife, which is a World of Darkness uh, VR game where you play a Wraith. Uh, so, and that's really quite haunting moving through um, this mansion and uh interacting with things and you know it plays with your senses and uh you know sense of space as well so uh that's really cool um yeah i mean otherwise james you've been up to any kind of gaming um i'm kind of in a little bit of a a, like a fallow period at the moment we finished uh we finished running well i finished running um the uh what was it? Dragon Heist, which is one of the uh, the D and D modules set in Waterdeep. Um, I'm gonna do a little one shot of Goblin Quest, and then hopefully launch into, as I mentioned earlier, Blades in the Dark. Um, I've been playing a little bit of Pathfinder recently, um, and that is interesting. Coming from D and D, like it's it's different, but it's kind of also the same. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it is based on like 3.5 Dungeons and Dragons and then kind of branches off to do its own thing from there. So it's still got a a lot of that kind of D&D in its DNA. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Let's see. Obviously, I'm running Iron Kingdoms on stream. It won't be happening. Like when you were listening to this, uh, we won't be running for one of the weekends because A, we need a bit of a break and be it's uh, Eurovision <laughs> that Saturday. So I'm watching Eurovision. I'm not playing. I'm not running the game. I'm going to watch Eurovision, the real game, the real, the real game that needs and needs a. I need to check out what weird RPGs have been based on Eurovision. Um, and uh, we've been playing in. And I'll be playing on this coming Friday our home game of uh, Star Wars, um, the Fancy Flight System. That works quite well. Um, I'm not running it. I'm playing it. I'm playing uh, an assassin droid, and that's good fun. I literally said, back off meatbags while gunning down a bunch of goons. So that made me happy. Um, <laughs> right. With that, um, we should move on to the main topic, which is uh, which is 
Resident Evil. Resident Evil. <laughs> Resident Evil, yes. So, why are we talking about this, James? Um, I think, you know, you've played mostly more of the Resident Evil games than I I have. Um, And I think my first foray into Resident Evil games was Resident Evil 2, back on the PlayStation. Was it on the PlayStation or was it on PlayStation 2? Um, Back on the original PlayStation. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Christ, I feel old now. Um, and I think I played a little bit of Res Evil Codename Veronica, which I don't oh, think yeah. was quite strong. Um, I think we played, you brought round your, was it your, was it, I can't remember what it was. What was the machine you brought round that could run Res Or was it, no, it was on the Xbox, on the 360, yeah. wasn't it? Um, was that Res Evil 5 or 6? Um, I think we might have played a little bit of 5. Um, yeah, that's set in Africa, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously I've played Seven since it's free on Stadia. If you're uh, a pro subscriber, uh, and then obviously Eight because I pre-ordered Eight and <laughs> got a free Stadia kit out of it, which I already had a free one anyway. Um, and Eight's been amazing. Um, and then James, you've played which other ones out of that list of games out of the Resident Evil um... series? So I've played I played Resident Evil One when it came to the GameCube, um, wow. and then uh, then I didn't really go back to it until Resident Evil Five, um, mm-hmm. where I I happened to be staying at a friend's house and he had to go out and do a shift, so I just absolutely uh, blitzed the whole game in pretty much one sitting. Um, and then uh, I've played most of six. Uh, I've done seven. I've done eight now. Um, I went back and I did uh, two and three with the remakes that they made me, or the remasters. Remastered mm. or remake? That's a that's a very loaded question. What the terminology you use for it is, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's a remake, right? Because it's it's going to be rebuilding it from the ground up. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so I kind of come. I kind of came to Resident Evil kind of late, and I've. I've never played four, and a lot of people would hold that against me as someone who uh, who says they enjoy Resident Evil. But it's just, yeah, you know, it's difficult going back to four nowadays with its tank controls and very, very brown, brown yeah. visuals. Yeah, I mean, I looked at a video of four, and it was very brown. And yeah, Resident Evil Two tank controls is certainly um, certainly true. Um, I distinctly remember, like you try to speed run in into, and it's not very fluid, is it? It's not fluid. Like yeah. you, you kind of stop and start as you try and line up, and then sprint forward again. Um, yeah, and then obviously, since what? Since Resident Evil Seven, like so. Hold on, let's think. No, Resident Evil, like one, two, and then mostly three as well are used like very flat kind of painted backgrounds in the original versions yeah if that makes sense and then they use pre-rendered backgrounds yeah and then later on they went to true 3d game environments that your your character moves within um 
and then also they changed like the the viewpoint so originally it was like you would have a viewpoint on the scene that you you move into and then that changed to like what in four it's like over the shoulder yeah and um, then and then obviously seven and eight are very much first person um first person kind of uh jobs um so yeah there's been an evolution there then in the gameplay uh in the style and it'll be interesting whether we feel like that's enhanced the um the kind of like the horror um and then plot line wise there's a lot going on isn't there because like you know one two mostly three four pretty much i guess dominated no maybe not four but like at least three right they're not like dominated by everything to do with like the umbrella raccoon city kind of you know outbreak yeah it's all it's all umbrella and raccoon city and it's it's very much it's very much the zombies and bioweapons in a very in a very straightforward manner um yeah when when you get to four they start having some really really quite strange stuff like the the large crowds of large crowds of people the um the really big like wormy parasite thing that pops out sometimes pops out their head sometimes if you do a headshot on them so like resident evil is a series that quite often gets to a point where they decide to shake everything up if they've been doing stuff for a while they go oh, actually maybe maybe let's let's change the formula um yeah and like four was really the last time they they did a big big change they did a couple of games where that like co-op was built into it um and then you know it's been quiet after six and then seven and seven is a very different set of fish to any of these previous ones um, yeah that's that's true yeah, plot-wise, it does sound like they, they went through quite a few different things because, like, you know, one, two, three, it's all about the T-virus and the G-virus. And uh, I think in Codename Veronica, there's, like, the progenitor virus. And it's all about a virus that's, you know, doing your zombies and making your monsters and so forth. And then I get from four, which I've not played, but I've read a little, as you just said, like, there's some, like, parasitic kind of wormy thing. Yeah. And then... Yeah. I don't. What was it in five and six? And mostly again back to viruses or some other parasite. Um, uh, five I think is parasites, and six is six is absolutely all over the place. It, uh, it's like three different games with different groups of people, and their timelines all overlap in weird ways. And I think, and like as I say, I. I've not finished it because the person I was playing it with um, and myself, we just got very frustrated at like uh, one of the acts has a whole bunch of like, all of the zombies have guns now. Like there's zombie super soldiers with machine guns and it's all hiding behind cover, like, you know, hiding behind waist high cover and shooting at each other. And it's like, that's, it's not quite the Resident Evil bit I was, uh, I was looking for. Yeah. And um, then obviously seven, eight, which we're going to talk about in a bit more detail, really again, shake it up and i guess again feels like a bit of a reset but also is loosely tied to the main ongoing kind of plot lines of the greater kind of setting because you know one big bad disappears one like evil corporation disappears and then like two more spring up that are researching bioweapons and 
and stuff because obviously there's some insane character that's looking to become i don't know immortal or some shizzle then they do it through i don't know let's investigate viruses and bioweapons and crap like that um but the thing that i think is important and i think that's the thing we're going to focus in on more is that i think seven and eight feel definitely seven feels like some classic horror films and you can learn i feel there's something to take from them for running role play games and running mm. horror rpgs in particular um so let's shall i do a quick overview of seven so if you've not played seven then this is your last kind of major spoiler warning on anything um and uh, obviously, if you want to play it, you can just you can literally sign up to Stadia for free and then play this for free because you get like one month's pro free. So you could in Resident Resident Evil games aren't long games; they're going to be what ten hours most gameplay. They're yeah. aroundabouts, so you could nail this in a weekend even. Um, so uh, Resident Evil is kind of got found footage elements within the game where you pick up videos and you play through as the people are recording the video um but it's very much classic kind of survival horror kind of um uh i guess there's a there's quite a lot of uh texas chainsaw massacre in there um elements of um of the blair witch project um and also elements of things like the hills have eyes those very much kind of like uh where you feel isolated in the southern us and people the locals the hicks are a bit weird so it plays really heavily into those themes um and the gameplay it's... itself is largely like it largely cribs from a lot of the kind of the indie popular there is a creepy monster and it is chasing you around like there was a lot of that, that that's well, kind of yeah. become very popular with like outlast and amnesia um and you know all those all those sorts of games that that became very popular because it's, it's you know i mean heck alien isolation right you know yeah, stick, right. A, stick a human mask on a on a xenomorph and you've got resident evil 7 right yeah so yeah, you 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 you're playing Ethan Winters who who's off trying to find his um find his wife Mia, uh who went missing three years ago, and uh you enter um the Baker family homestead. Uh you get beaten up, you come to, uh you get your hand chopped off and somehow it gets reattached and it transpires you're kind of infected by this thing called the mold so this kind of mycelium uh mycelium fungus thing that allows for regeneration and reanimation and ultimately you know mutation um and yeah you know you as james said you like you escape in parts uh you escape from and are stalked by members of the baker's family who exhibit different kind of let's just say combat styles like they'll they'll have a big axe as they're chasing you around so i would say there's not actually that many things you have to kill in the game by comparison yeah. to like older resident evil games um 
but you do come across certain characters a few times in there like you you beat them and they come back in that classic classic resident evil style like they mutate and they're they've you've got to do a different kind of gameplay against them to defeat them um and then and eventually yeah, they always turn into a big eyeball monster right like that's the, yeah yeah that's the resident evil classic right there classic is the eyeballs um so yes, you know, there's some cool bits where you have to fight one of the Baker's family with a chainsaw. Um, it's classic Resident Evil running around finding trinkets to unlock things, to unlock other parts of the house, uh, to move through so that you can obviously also, as you're being stalked, run away from people more effectively. Um, you conserve your ammo uh trying for headshots so the zombies in the game are the baker's family themselves there aren't many of them the things that are kind of zombie like which i imagine are people that have been totally consumed by the by this fungus are the yeah. the molded who are like just sh- are basically just shambling black mold which when you think about black mold and when you see it grow in large amounts that's kind of fucking gross yeah like seven seven really kind of touches on a couple of the things that i find just really uh really off-putting anyway like i don't like i really don't like mold and fungus it creeps me out makes uh, makes me very skeevy and also i really don't like insects and one of the baker family oh, yeah. uh is like uh is kind of built around insects um and she she is awful um yeah that was a fight i really did not enjoy no um, um that <laughs> was that was a tricky one um but yeah she 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 basically she's a she's a living host to a hive of insects isn't she and um yeah. like, even when she stalks you around the building in the dark that's really creepy as well because you can't really you can't easily fight her and you you basically have to go looking for as many canisters that you can use in your in your kind of custom built little makeshift flamethrower to to drive her away um yeah so it really it re- i think of all all the games that has a heavy themes themes of like decay isolation and and that you are being stalked and pretty much often don't have enough ammo or things to kill um the things that you're up against um and yeah ultimately it transpires you know that there's a um all this happened because what off the down the river on the coastline there's a boat uh, a big ship crashed uh which was carrying Mia and her um and the pe- the other fellow employees of uh, I think it's called the collective is it collective or I can't remember I, the name. I thought it was more umbrella. No, no, it isn't. Um, it's not umbrella. It's called I, I think I think it is. Uh, I'm gonna put Mir and I'm gonna put Resident Evil. I think it's called the Collective. If it's not the Collective, it begins with a C. It's the Connections, okay? Who are mostly they're like another group of people, possibly I can't I've not dug into the law enough to find out if they've got links to Umbrella. But yeah, they're into bioweapons. You know, as as all these bad guys are, and they're ferrying back from um, from somewhere a a girl called um, called uh, Evelyn. 
Evelyn, yeah. yeah. And she's like a she embodies this mold. And that that's why mold is weird as well, James, isn't it? Because mold mycelium create networks. So like they're huge organisms. So you it kind of that makes sense in the game, like you are actually connected to um the other infected to the other things yeah. that carry this this mold which also then explains why you get the visions uh that happen so in some yeah, respects evelyn is using that to uh it's it's a hive mind really but yeah. uh, she's she's the mind with all of the control and everyone else in it basically just gets subsumed um yeah so you know a kind of I mean, cordyceps is the cordyceps is the popular uh, popular fungus of choice, right? For yeah. everybody, um, everybody being like zombified by by mold, and yeah, she just has the ability to to make you do what she wants. Mm. Grim. And yeah, and I think the you're you're right in your notes. Like the game does a few things to always kind of like keep you on your toes. Like either yeah, it goes completely fucking dark, and you have no way of seeing anything, or You've got zero weapons, like they take them from you. Or yeah, when um, you that's like when you first get to play as um as Mia, you're yeah. you know, you're surrounded by zombies. Or there are still zombies around, but suddenly not having weapons means that because the the molded kind of become a little bit of a joke almost, right? They're they're kind of slow, kind of shambly. Like at that point in the game, you've got flamethrowers, you've got grenade launchers, you've got you know, you've got shotguns, Mines. so they've not really been scary for a while. Um, but then changing that up, no, yeah, isn't fresh. And that's that's the thing. They they they. I think that's why it always works. Is they lure you into that that feeling of you're doing great. You're able to kill these things. You've most got pretty good at headshotting people, and then they take it away from you, and you're like oh 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 this is bad this is really bad or even change how you have to fight because like as i said when you're playing as mia you have like what a poxy little pistol and you're running around and the only other thing you pick up are like i think are remote mines which yeah yeah sure you can detonate but yeah you have to be bloody close to lure things into it um and some of the bigger molded that start turning up are really kind of uh really really quite annoying um and then yeah they then change up again like because you you go back to playing as ethan and you you eventually and i think it's it's you, you kind of think where the, where's this going you work out how it all then ties back to you you know you'll you go through the mines uh and then you're back in the baker house for the finale but i mean what would you say are the things that stand out you would say you would take from it for a horror RPG then, like if you were doing stuff for the tabletop? Um, I mean, I definitely think changing the tools players have available is like a really, like that is a really key element. Like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to use a D&D example here because that's that's the most familiar to me, but like a lot of, a lot of ghosts early on can't be dealt with unless you have magical weapon or like magical forms of damage. Um, if you have a car if you have a party that's kind of low on casters suddenly turning around and being like there is a ghost how is how is your barbarian and your rogue and your fighter going to deal with them 
Like, yeah, that suddenly becomes a scenario where maybe your combat party is actually scared of something. Like, maybe they have to run away. Um, mm. Introducing introducing a challenge that you have to deal with in a different manner. You know, that can that can keep your sessions fresh. Um, oh, definitely. And that's not even horror. You know, you could have like a conversational. Uh, a conversational challenge, like a, a person who is definitely too big, uh, too big for them to fight. Yeah, and I think because you talked about blades in the dark, like the idea of being stalked can be quite easily represented by clocks that are used in blades in the dark. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and that would that would allow you um, that would really allow you to to represent being chased or if you use and allowing players to use some initiative on how to hide or or distract the thing that's uh chasing them because obviously it's representing that kind of thing's quite difficult in without it feeling kind of like arbitrary like oh when they find you and you do a jump scare jump scares don't really work in in um tabletop rpgs uh, i don't feel um Let's see. What's the other thing I was going to say that you can take from it? Um, obviously, if you're looking at World of Darkness, uh, in particular Chronicles of Darkness, there is actually uh, a mold um, which is uh, turns up in the antagonist book back in First Edition Chronicles of Darkness, which is uh, which is which feeds on vampires. It likes to find vampires and grow on their torpid bodies or infect them. So. The idea of a thing that is antagonistic um, and can infect people is really good. More so vampires because they think they're immortal and, you know, are not, you know, prone to human diseases. And it's not something you can easily fight with fists. So the idea then that, like, say, the crazed vampire you're fighting against, you can't really touch because it might spray mold spores on you is terrifying. So again, it le- that leads into what you were saying about like changing how they have to think, how they ha- uh, combat the antagonist. Like you can't go toe to toe with it because <laughs> you might get infected, um, yeah. or you just don't. You need to kill it with fire, and you don't have any fire. No fire, you can't mm. kill it. Um, That's got to be tough for vampires, right? Because you're rock track. Yeah, well, that as well. Yeah, you, you literally have to use the very thing that you fear, um, and. It then I guess it also adds that element of paranoia because you don't know if other people are being infected by it. Um, and you could use that in lots of games, uh, lots of horror games. I think you know fungus is weird uh, and and doesn't really doesn't really fit with plants and doesn't fit with animals. It's this weird halfway house. Um, you only have to look at the episode of the Hannibal TV series. I think it's literally episode three. It's either two, one or two or three. Uh, there's a serial killer that is burying people out in the middle of nowhere, but burying them together, and he infe- he ha- he's basically growing fungus and mushrooms from them. Yeah, uh, which is gross. It's proper gross. Um, and I've used fungus as a horror element in a Chronicles of Darkness scenario that's on the storyteller's fault called Sins Washed Away. So there's fungus there. Um, but yeah, I agree. They're totally freaky. Um, it's also like yeah. thematically, it's pretty good as like it is an indicator of like rot and ruin and decay. And yes, like 
Resident Evil up to that point, right? You had you had like six games, and there were all of these zombies, which are what's what's a zombie? It's like a, a rotting, decaying body, and yet yeah, none of like you know there was no there was no rot, there was no decay. Like people get bitten, and then all of a sudden they turn green, and you know like chunks of them are dropped off. Like I feel like seven seven really kind of pushed that aesthetic of and. Yeah. You know, that's that's maybe some visual language to lend in. Like it's uh, you know, quite often, you know, you imagine things like they're uh, they're they're kind of a little bit too clean and sterile. Just just that that horrible, just like infested, like grimy, grungy. You know, you don't want to touch it. You don't want to be there. Like the spores floating in the air. Like that's a very a very claustrophobic feel. Like it's you're not just in the environment. The environment is trying to get into you. And that is just mm. like, oh, that's a that's a that's a nasty mood. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's really it is really quite interesting actually that they changed to that kind of southern gothic feeling as well with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, playing the game, the jump scares are, are like really quite valid because it is first person. You know, things literally do jump around corners at you or pop up behind you um i don't know really how i would my advice for that in um in tabletop games uh i think you would need to use something kind of like again you would need like a clock or a a doom count like you get in in um in soulbound or 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 ruin in wrath and glory uh you need something that as it as players fail roles or they or like in um unhallowed metropolis you know you you get more corruption in return for like sub, you know negating bad shit happening to you i think that's the best way you can like ramp up ra- you know ratchet up the tension is by go like them seeing like oh the pool of badness has increased i mean all, also the classic is um i think in um uh what's it what's the game that uses the jenga tower for for stuff um I know what you mean, and I can't remember what it is either. Yeah, so again, like, you know, that represents kind of your jump scare, because, you know, you're terrified of pulling out the block and causing bad things to happen. So I think that would be my um, my way of at least creating the sense of increasing dread, increasing horror. Like Dread is, in fact, the name of the Jenga game. Yeah, increasing uh. <laughs> anxiety, and then... Um, then I mean it's still never going to be quite the same as a true jump scare in, in cinema, but that's because these are different medium. Like you can't do a jump scare in like books, can you? It's not quite the same thing. Um, so I would say like if you were trying to replicate Resident Evil Seven in an RPG, I think you would have to like look towards other things to enhance the anxiety. Like you know, make it feel like time is running out on 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 you surviving you know like like ammo is not an indispensable thing you are going to run out of ammo you are slowly being consumed by this fungus so use those as as countdown clocks countdown clocks are are, countdown clocks really do enhance anxiety in rpgs (laughs) um yeah i mean if you had a thinking of countdowns like sometimes you get groups which move very slowly right everything yeah. is lots of decisions lots of what are we going to do what's this what's that like 
thinking about this infection with mold what if you told your group everyone has been infected by something like you guys find out that like you have an hour to get out of it and then you set an actual timer yeah like that's that's a way kind of like what we were talking about earlier changing up the way that your group plays if if suddenly your group that spends like three hours of every four hour session deliberating what to do and then only like an hour actually acting on anything suddenly they actually have to start like just do things just react to the situation um and so and that's, that's, that's of... a, it's a hard skill to push players to be that proactive in games. I mean, yeah. this is the the art of writing a good uh, the art of writing a good one shot for uh, convention games is you've only got three hours to play and you want to get to the end. So you really have to like you know again. I think you have to like like Resident Evil games actually in that respect. Resident Evil games are to an extent on rails. Like you're going to get to the same yeah. endpoint. The question the, the more important questions are how much ammo do you have when you get to that final boss? Do mm-hmm. you have enough to feel you can do it comfortably? Um, so that's about the quality of the ending you're getting. Uh, the other thing I'll say about Resident Evil 8 is uh, sorry, Resident Evil 7 is and I think this is also true of eight as well, is because of its change to feel more kind of claustrophobic. And, you know, if it draws more from Silent Hill, I feel. Like Silent Hill 2 is a classic game in my books. And yeah. I see a lot more in common with that now than the cla- than the, the, the classic Resident Evil games. Yeah. Well, let's like, be honest. In seven, yeah, the house the house is an antagonist, right? It it does yeah. the whole thing is suffused with mold it doesn't want you to be there and like most of the time the house is kind of a trap right this that yeah. whole kind of jump scare thing it's you know it gets you into a place and then it's going to create a bunch of monsters behind you because it knows that it's cutting you off yeah um ugh. and also like i guess with the classic resident evil games like uh, you know two less so you, you know you I guess the first one and the second one, maybe also the third one, are in the same books because you're playing characters who are dumped into these events. Like you're playing uh, basically effectively either a SWAT team members in the first one or you're playing just a cop and one of the guy's sister in the second one. In the third one, you're the survivors of the SWAT team who are, again, surviving against things. Whereas, like, as the series went on, like, you know, those characters who've become mainstays of the series are now, like, you know, special, like, government operatives who, you know, have seen this shit. So you have to, again, like, Resident Evil 7, it feels like a a big reset because you're playing a person that's, like, never dealt with anything like this. And you can really feel it because I think it was one of the things I read in an article somewhere, like, Ethan Winter's hands get butchered in both games so so horrifically yeah. you know like bitten scratched or cut off um yeah um... Like, he's, he's had both hands severed at this point um and pretty much like pretty much destroyed like poor poor one out for his poor poor little hands because they they are they are long suffering bless them so eight resident evil eight resident because resident evil 7 is technically called resident evil biohazard which 
I don't know what its name in Japanese in the Japanese market is because obviously Resident Evil games are actually known as Biohazard um, yeah. as their title. So it's I think it's just called I, Biohazard. I think seven Heaven. was Biohazard Resident Evil. Yeah. Yes, Biohazard actually. Yeah. Resident Evil. Whereas we've now got Resident Evil Village. Um, mm-hmm. So in eight, we're back with um, Ethan Winters as uh, you know again massive spoiler alerts here. Uh, Mia is killed in front of you. Your daughter, because it's like three years later, is taken away. Um, and you're it transpires that you are actually living in, like, let's just say Eastern Europe, because that's clearly the coding for, for it. Um, because obviously, there's more to the mold than Chris Redfield, who turns up at the end of Resident Evil 7, is letting on. And, uh, yeah, and then you go off into this village, try and find your daughter, and you face the lords of the village, who are these various kind of weird, we'll say, undead mutants, um, who are archetypes of particular horror, like genres, basically. Um, The village is very eastern european in that sense i think it's a cool environment again you're it adds some new mechanics in there and because you can barricade doors and like use like bags of flour to explode as like you know as distractions which is great um so it's, the gameplay in that sense is an iteration it hasn't changed from first person um, there's clearly more bad guys because Ethan Winters has had some training and you know has been there, done that. Uh, though the the zombies in this, who are called what they're called, lichens, are, yeah, the lichens are basically feral humans, and but they've still got a fair bit of intelligence compared to the molded because they dodge bullets, they dodge, yeah, and they some of them away. use some of them use bows, some of them, I mean, heck, a couple of them ride horses at the beginning. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's it's it it ramps up and then plays into things because you know you're looking for your daughter and eventually it transpires that this is where the mold is originally from and it's all actually because there's this um driven mad, there's this doctor turned local witch uh who discovered a way of I guess immortality and then also like bringing people back from the dead using the, the fungus, which again makes sense with what we've already just said, because she lost her daughter in the uh, due to the due to Spanish flu. So, so, and that's and this character has a crossover with Umbrella, as in the main villain mm. actually met the founder of Umbrella. So there's a nice little crossover, and also there's like some sim- the Umbrella symbol does turn up as like as part of like a coat of arms in this game. Um. Yeah, and then we get like quite a few environments, don't we? We get like the haunted. Yeah, castle. each of the each of the monsters gets their own little their own little area to kind of show off. Um, yeah, as you say, you've got the the haunted castle full of vampires. Uh, you've got the kind of abandoned house, like the abandoned kind of ghost house with the creepy doll in it. Um, you've got the lake with this this kind of fish man. Um, and the windmills there, like, look amazing. Um, yeah, uh, and then you've got like a like a uh, a foundry where you you have the the kind of 
I mean, I, I think like Frankenstein's monster kind of deal, but it's it's really like science mastering death rather than like biology. Um, yeah. Uh, and of course, I mean, there's there's werewolves in the village as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. But... are those like those are like lichens when they've reached their like final form or what? Yeah, they... I think I think the lichens like. Even the even the regular lichens, a lot of them seem to be excessively hairy, and their eyes kind of they get that sheen that like uh, yeah. dogs' eyes do of like the reflective sheen and stuff. So they they've got a, like a little a little bit of dog in them, and then they become they become very very big dog after after a while. I think if they um I think it's like a degenerating thing where they can yeah. uh, they get worse or something or some people have a particularly bad reaction to it yeah and like yeah so gameplay wise it's pretty much the same in compared to seven um yeah you're running here here there and everywhere collecting items to open up doors or there's a few there's a few puzzles um there's a few good puzzles actually um uh i mean even one area again as you said james like um the how to make things interesting take away your weapons like the entire of the creepy doll mansion is exactly that and it's fucked up um it's the only way to describe that entire segment it's fucked up um and then like so i would say and then also they do use the whole thing of like you know feeling stalked in certain segments again like especially in the first segment in the castle there's a high element of that you know you're facing things that are chasing you and you can't really do much until you you reach a stage where you can turn the tables on them and i think we both didn't like the bit in the lake because the fish thing was just annoying running around it and yeah yeah that was just like it was just difficult not that it was particularly i don't think it was particularly creepy um I'm going to jump in here and do this as a this is a little bit of a learning lesson. Um, when when you're at the lake, the bit that Chris and I are talking about, there's lots of ways for you to fall in the lake and die instantly. Oh fuck yeah! Um, and that that isn't hard. It's just annoying. And yeah. like that is that is like a lesson, like a lesson to kind of learn. I mean, it's more for. I guess it's more for like video games development because you're hoping you're hoping not to like TPK your party, but uh, just like really, really easy to trigger fail states. Like if you yes. if you have a situation where say say you're doing an investigation or something, your party wants to find out who's killed someone. Uh, if you if you make them roll for every clue that there is, there is the chance that your party is going to find none of the clues, and at mm. that point your game has stalled right you've you've had a fail state like make sure that you have some way to succeed in in your uh in your campaign like you don't you don't want to get people to a situation where you're just kind of stuck very easily like if someone doesn't pick up on your your very cleverly like uh weaved in secret hidden hint um you know sometimes Sometimes your players are hungry or tired and they're not going to pick up on it. So, you know, uh, have something ready to uh, to feed them if <laughs> if you get into that situation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, it's... Yeah, I think that's an example of where you kind of sometimes if you get stuck, you need to have, have the option of like su- succeeding at cost. Um, mm-hmm. That's always good to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I mean, so the main gameplay doesn't change too much. It's more like, again, like the environment, I feel, and the style of enemies you're up against. The main bosses is really what, what brings the novelty to it. So, like, the whole Dimitrescu castle is fucking cool and amazing. Like, all of that just running around in there. Um, it's, is... it's got a big, like, a big early resi feel. Right, because you're yeah. you're in a big mansion and you're you know you're opening doors and stuff and going through press. There's a bit in the dungeons, of course. You're uh, you get chased by uh, by some vampires early on, um, and you know that's that's got the the feeling the feeling of of like fear and being stalked. But it's also like it's interesting where it is in the game because it's it's really the first section. And that is the point where you don't have these strong weapons. If they put a section where you get chased at the end of the game, why why would you be worried? Like you've got lots of gear, like you should be able to shoot them, you should be able to, to win. But by putting it yeah. right at the beginning, like they've picked a time where it like it works mechanically. Um Yeah, I mean that's that's why like it would have you think like, oh, you know, Lady Dimitrescu's been like a come out of uh, come out as like a, a fan favorite character already um but you're right she only works in that way when literally your best weapon is like i think the best weapon you've got by that point is do you even you know you've got like a shotgun and i think you even by that yeah. point you've also got like a at one point you've, you've picked up the sniper rifle but like they're just guns they're not really going to do much against her um yeah they even, don't even do much against her daughters really who as you as you put in the notes are pretty much creepy triads goth girls <laughs> yeah they they are almost like they're they're an f like they are a perfect example of trying too hard as well because they they turn up and they're like ooh, ooh, i'm kooky and i'm also scary like i really want to just like eat your like you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna really get you and use like you. And it's just like they, they've got nothing else going on for them. They have no like, you know, you don't get any feeling that they have any agency or that they have any intent. And like, I think like a classic horror horror thing is like the monsters have rules, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and these ones, they don't really have rules. They just exist to like be around and torment you. Um, whereas uh, Dimitrescu, when when you start offing her daughters as they attack you, she she feels a lot scarier because because she can't turn into bugs and fly through walls to appear wherever she wants. So you can hear her moving about, but you can also tell she is absolutely furious. She is incensed and angry, and that was much creepier than any of the other vampires because it was like you know. He's livid. Um, and the the size, the the space, the size of her, and the the kind of the swipe, the swing of her weapon, her claws makes walking past her totally terrifying. So, um, you know, you have to to get to do what you need to do. You you're constantly like going, oh no, I'm going to go back down this corridor, and I'm going to have to loop all the way around and play games with her. To lure her down this corridor, so I can then run past her down this one, and then use the key, and then fuck off and find the next one that I need. Um, yeah, it's a really strong character. I wouldn't be surprised if they find some way to like resurrect her for like um, for like the inevitable like DLC. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, there's got to be some DLC coming, but um, yeah. I, I have my I have my suspicions on on where that will. I actually think the DLC might be might be afterwards because there's there's some unresolved yeah. stuff towards the end. But that's that's another that's another discussion, I think. And by um, comparison, as we said, like creepy monster fish man is just like yeah. classic. You know, big monster chasing you around. I mean, Dumatress turns into a big monster. You just shoot her at, re- at range. That's pretty much it. You're just sniping her human bit on her big dragon body. Um, fish dude. Uh, you know, you just you just drain the water on him, don't you? And then you then you just got to run around shooting him or shooting the explosive barrels that are near him and dodging his um his puke storm that he does. <laughs> like he's got uh, the kind of longest build up though, because you. Yeah. You start like you start your encounter with him while you're in the mines, yeah. and like you you spend a lot of time dealing with him as a like as a misshapen person before he gets to the point where he turns into a giant fish. Yeah. Um. So like that that whole area felt like one long big boss fight. Mm. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. And that was that was kind of interesting after, especially coming hot on the heels of the kind of the creepy doll trope. Yeah. Because like, um, I I think of I like to think of them as like mini movies where they've, yes. they've taken their their inspiration from it. So like you had the vampires, you have like the creepy doll house, which also has the the terrifying baby. Um, that was that uh, was I think way. hands down the scariest fucking thing in the entire game was the. You're going down that corridor, and then you start hearing the baby thing, and then you see it, and you're like, oh, fuck this. And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't have any guns. Shit. And yeah. Sorry. And then when you get to that one room where you're like, okay, this, I've got the thing. I'm going to go into... I've got a key. I've got the thing that unlocks this, this route, and I go into the room. And it's when you see that, the that when you look at the bed, and it goes, and the action button thing pops up, and it goes, hide. You're like... Oh, I see what you're fucking doing to me. <laughs> it's like you bastards. Yeah, like that is that is just truly, really awful. But I mean, there's there's a you can kind of take a bit of a lesson from from that as well with like signposting, right? Yes, um, yeah. You you before you encounter the actual problem, you encounter the tool that you will use to solve it, and that gets yeah. you into that mindset. So. Say you had a role-playing game, and you know everyone's very used to we use the mechanics of our our characters. I mean, like I'm going to use D and D as an example again because it's it's quite convenient for it. But like all of my attacks, I will look at my weapon attack on my character, and I will do a melee attack. Well, what hap- if you have like one of the one of the enemies you fight throws a torch at you or something? You know, you throw a light source to set fire to something. You kind of establish mm-hmm. and remind your players that you can do other stuff. Like it's not it's not all about hitting things with your with your big weapons. Um, yeah, so, and actually, you know, that's that's really cool what you said actually about that because obviously that with Monster Fishman, that's about so you, the you can set things up that the environment is the weapon you use. Yeah, because like yeah. with explosive barrels, you know they're there. Use them, <laughs> you know. Lure it into position and then blow the fucker up. Um, yeah, that's really good. Um, 
it's always good to reward players to think laterally rather than just I hit it with my axe kind of thing. Um, and then Heisenberg, like as as a boss, I don't think he was as as interesting. Um, yeah, he just fitted the classic like hit the hit the key locations to down him and then you know go through the motions. I think more interesting was again the environment that you had to go through the whole factory um yeah because again that changed like how you had to fight things especially with like i think in that because there was like things like you could cause like electrical pulses on some of the on some of the bad guys they kind of stalled and stuff and it i mean heck for for a very like uh high level thing you're moving the weak point of a zombie right everyone goes zombie you shoot the exposed head well actually what if they have like they have a weak spot and they know where it is you know yeah, they, they cover it don't they they do and that's that's kind of interesting for i mean hell use that for your role play stuff like have a monster with a weak point but have it be smart enough to know to know what it is um yeah they're not just going to walk walk around with their big glowing weak spot exposed um and then and that, with the werewolves as bad guys, I think what was interesting about them, and once you're properly like going back into the village at later bits, is again you you're using the village as like you know the abandoned houses to your advantage. Like I was kind of like, hold on a minute, right? I'm gonna walk out here. I know they're they're gonna jump down at me, and then I'm gonna pull this fucking barricade in the way, and I'm gonna pop them at point blank as they're like reaching for you which i think being able to pull barricades in the way really enhanced the feeling of like you could fight back against lots and lots of enemies which would normally overwhelm you mm. yeah and like and the bigger monsters they can't even fit in they can't even get in the door they were just like clawing trying to reach you and they you can't so again it always kind of felt like it was rewarding you for being clever rather than going they've ramped up the the gunplay and I'm just going to do Halo style walk through the level shooting things. Yeah. If that makes sense. It it is interesting that you mentioned that because I I feel that when I played Resi 8, I basically like I basically cleared rooms out when I was going around. Like I until pretty much the very last zone, I would kill I would try and kill everything to just clear the space out so I could do my exploring. Because I'm, I'm very much an explorey player. Oh, I did so, the same. I did the same. Yeah. I definitely did the, the, the same. I didn't do the whole, and I go through this door, and they're not going to follow me through because, you know, I'm yeah. I'm going to leg it past this door, and they're not going to be able to find me. Um, whereas, like, I wouldn't, like, if you want a speed run, like I did back in the day on Resident Evil 2, I think, like, for the first for quite a lot of the first part before you get to the police station in Resident Evil 2, I don't think I killed a single zombie in that game. I think I I, I sped past and ran past most things and just collected ammo. <laughs> which, which, you know, is what you're going to do in a speed play. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, how do you feel about Resident Evil 7, well, 8 then, uh, and then how do you feel about it compared to like 7? That's the, that's the big question that I've been thinking of ever since uh, ever since we mentioned that we we wanted to do this chat. Um, I I think bits of eight are better, and then yes. bits of eight uh, bits of eight I didn't really like. Like I I felt I pretty much felt like uh, Heisenberg's area 
really kind of let the end of the game down. Um, as much as it's interesting, I uh, like you. You climb through this factory, and he knocks you down to the bottom, and then you climb through the factory again. And when you get up to top, you don't even actually get to fight Heisenberg because you jump on a tank and you just hold down the fire button for like a minute or something. Yeah, like you know, we like for a character who has a lot of like he's one of the he's one of the like the elite four of the game that actually has like quite a like quite a lot of character he actually interacts with you outside of the bit where you're fighting him like he's talking to you even from like an earlier step um so it felt like you know i kind of wanted more more kind of resolution there and then then it just became a little bit of a like a spectacle um so like I think that coming close at the end kind of frustrated me, and as well, like Mother Miranda, the the big bad of the game. Oh like, yeah, she she shows up like very early on for a minute, where she's just like, "Hello, I exist. This is the Elite Four. Um, and then she disappears from the game until pretty much the very end, and is just like, "Hi, I'm your last boss." It's like, well, yeah, door, I think I guess I think she I think that's the thing. Is like I don't. Like when you get stalked through the, you get stalked through the um through the castle. That's really like strong. I feel mm. like in the in the village section, whenever you're going through, it, I felt I feel like that should have always been like you were again afraid to go even outside one of the buildings, um for fear of like you know I don't know like the werewolf or or maybe yeah. even Mother Miranda kind of like you know pouncing yeah. on you. If she could have turned up in the village, so like you're going through the village in an area you've cleared out, and then maybe you round a corner and Mother Miranda's there, and she she manifests the monsters from the mold or something. You know, she she creates a, a trouble for you and then disappears. Just have have her actually feel like the antagonist because she didn't mm. she didn't do anything, right? You get to the end of the game and she's like, "I'm the baddie," and you're like, "Well." yeah great um uh i so yeah i did really enjoy eight but there are some bits where i was i just felt like uh it didn't quite they didn't quite live up to the rest of it um and i mean some of that as well is like i you know professionally i'm a video games designer so i i can't play a video game nowadays and (laughs) not look at it and be like if I was going to put a special thing, I would put one there. If I was walking into this room, I would have a guy spawn behind me. There's a guy behind me. Fantastic. Like, you know, uh, there's there's ways that you build games, and um, yeah, sometimes I, I cannot see I cannot see the scary zombies from the uh, from the underlying mechanics. Oh, that's fair. I mean, I think I'm the same with it. I think Mother Miranda didn't feel as strong. Um... I think she felt a bit too anime for my liking as well with her design, if that makes sense. Too much Sephiroth was in her. Um... She had six wings. That makes her six times better than Sephiroth, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think there should have been a bit more of like being chased through. Because like you know, right early on, the fighting with the the uh, lycan through the the village always felt strong. And actually, the the whole bit in the cat in the stronghold. Oh with yeah, the lichens was really where it was like wave upon wave of them. Again, it felt like oh, these are intelligent bad guys. Like I need to think about what I'm doing here, because um, otherwise you just really do run out of ammo. 
Um, so that always felt good. But yeah, you're right. I think I think Heisenberg's whole section was just didn't feel as strong and didn't feel narratively as strong. And yeah, Mother Miranda was not as good. Whereas like I would say seven obviously it had to ramp up the gunplay because that's it because it had to escalate from seven whereas like seven i i still feel like seven was pretty much was pretty just good across the board yeah i definitely found seven the scary again yes um like i i don't think you know i don't really think other than other than the creepy baby uh in mm. eight and like Dimitrescu actually being so fucking furious, uh, pardon my language. Um, but yeah, like other than that, I didn't I didn't really find stuff in eight scary. Um it's no. it's more kind of it feels very B movie. There's like a lot of you like you get a shotgun pretty much straight away, and you know, mm. then like cue up the Danny DeVito meme, right? I just started blasting. Um, and like you just do that like the whole game from that point on right you're like i always felt like i had everything else outgunned um yeah actually i i i would agree i think ammo was was pretty plentiful um especially if we're fairly clever with what you used against which enemies um yeah whereas i i think back like the first time I think it's the first time when in Res Evil Seven when one of the mold molded appears that made me just go oh fuck no because like that's the first time you go when you're in the basement and then you go a bit deeper into the basement and it's like the last door you've like searched everywhere else and you've got this last door to go through and you're like hmm and then you're like let's do it and it's like nope 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 and then you unlock another door. And then you do the whole puzzle with the the furnaces, and another one falls out of that fucking furnace. You're like, yeah, nope. Um, so yeah, I I think Res Evil Seven just felt stronger with the scares. Um, yeah. But then again, like they don't they don't both need to be so scary. And in, and now this is this is some anecdotal stuff. So you know, I'm it's it's passing on uh, passing on whispers of whispers, but. Uh, supposedly the reaction to Resident Evil 7 was that it was actually kind of too scary. Like they alienated <laughs> some of their some of their previous Resident Evil fans because suddenly this was actually like it was horror as actual genre rather than horror as theme. Because once you got to like Resident Evil like four and then into five and then into six, like the the characters in in five. Uh, using martial arts on zombies right you're you're punching right. most of these zombies out and kicking them in the face and things it's like you do not put your hand near the zombie face right if they're going to be able to bite you, you that's that's stupid but it's it was very like action movie you know uh i mean hell resident evil movie right you're just kicking them yeah. all and stuff because of course that's the best way to kill zombies um but you know, Whereas that... I like Seven. Seven drew, like I say, I yeah. compare it to Silent Hill. Silent Hill scares the shit out of me. Silent Hill Two is like up mm. there as like one of the best games ever, um, because it creeps you the fuck out and often leaves you thinking, "Yeah, I don't want to fight these these things." And often the best way to deal with stuff was just to run past the the various enemies. And again, like you have the the classic 
uh, pyramid head stalks you stalks the fuck out of you in some sections, uh, and is is pretty difficult to kill, and you know keeps coming back, which is again where I think Resident Evil's pulling from, and I'd like to see a bit more of that again. Like I think I think what's interesting is that the way they tied these two games into the main ongoing plotline of Chris Redfield and all the other characters is that they're too powerful and too experienced to drop into these games now to want to bother playing them. They're not playing as them. You don't feel scared. You feel capable. Um, yeah. And that is a good thing because like Resident Evil 8 does do that for you. It gives you the whole sections playing as Chris Redfield, like shooting up tons of lichens. And that's fun because they're just giving you a, a, a kind of a little bit of a breather, but also changing up the challenge. Like, okay, you can now kill them easily. Let's see how you do where there's loads of them and if you can kill them just as easily. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's kind of hard. Um, you still have to do some clever stuff. Um, like, there was a bit where I think it's Chris Redfield, I like ran into a house because, like, there's too many. I need to get in here. And, and then they started jumping through the fucking windows. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I need to shoot them. Um, um, but yeah, I'd like yeah. to see kind of more of that. And in some respects, this is kind of like how you, how I like to do certain things with like my thoughts with like Chronicles of Darkness. Again, going back to that, is sometimes with Chronicles of Darkness, if you've been playing your campaign for long enough, and I mean, let's go to World of Darkness as well, your player characters are far too experienced for them to really feel horror in the same way. Mm. So I feel like Resident Evil 7 feels a bit like, you know, when you have that start sequence in the X-Files before Mulder and Scully turn up, you know, where, oh, just the regular persons deal with something and it all goes horribly wrong. And then, you know, the thing in the darkness pulls them away and then cut to the actual experienced investigators come along to sort shit out. I feel it's like that, but where more of the emphasis is put on the regular Joe doing stuff. And then right at the end, you get to have the, you know, the biosecurity agents come in to deal with things to give you that kind of, you know, let's deal with things and also connect it to the grander plot line again and then go back to it. So I, I like that. I like that. And I think they should keep doing that. I think I want to see more poor, poor, I want to see more poor Ethan Winters having their hands, you know, brutalized, but in other horror environments. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what they could, uh, what they could mine next. And I mean, they the now this it, I mean we've already we've already spoiled uh, spoiler warning all the way through the show. There is a bit that says that um this is the end of Ethan's fight. Mm. Uh, like his job's over. But now this this is a, a tasty little tidbit. There's a little bit after the um after the credits where we see Rose Winters as a uh, as a teenager. Um and she's working with some some strange suit guy who's uh who's getting her to go and deal with a situation now as this car drives off from ethan's uh ethan's grave in the cemetery um there's a person walking the other way towards the uh towards the truck that they're in Uh, people have stopped the game and used photo mode and the person walking towards them is ethan's character model yeah so like is he gonna be dead is he was that just a convenient model that happened to be in the memory like 
you know, is it just to get the fans talking about it and get some speculation going? We, we don't know. But, I mean, heck, if Ethan if Ethan has the power to have his arms chopped off and stuff, like, Rose Winters, at this point, like, both her mum and her dad were infested with the mould? Oh, yeah, she's, she's, so, pure, she's pure living fungus. Yeah, so, you know, if anyone was going to chop someone's limbs off and be able to reattach them, right... She can probably she can probably do it herself. Um, so so yeah, maybe we'll see maybe we'll see her as the next um, next protagonist. So yeah, let's let's wrap up. We've been going on for a bit. So um, ultimately, I think worth the they're both I think excellent games worth value for money. Um, you know, yeah, sure they're only like ten hours long, aroundabouts games. But the point is. There are good ten hours. They're not like some drawn out open world game where really is that all the value or some other games which you know I think I think you know the value is questionable. Um, there's obviously replay value because you can ramp up the difficulty level uh, level quite happily, um, and there's a lot in there for horror RPGs for inspiration. I mean, definitely um, I've got some ideas that I think would be kind of fun to do. Um, I really want to do some proper zombie horror like thing for the Storytellers Vault. Um, I think I've got some ideas that'd be kind of fun to write because I've not written anything for Storytellers Vault because for a while because I've been writing professional stuff <laughs> too busy. Um, but um, yeah, any other last thoughts, James? Single? Oh, um, yeah. I guess if you're if you're interested in playing any of them and you haven't played them and you're not put off by the spoilers that we've had. Um, grab seven if you want something really scary. Grab eight if you want something uh, if you want something a little bit more like a little bit more fun and uh, and kind of uh, adventurey. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, right. Well, that's that's us talking about Resident Evil Seven Eight. I'm sure we could talk about other horror games at some point that we ever play. Uh, right. Uh, so uh, if you are if you like our content and you want to find out more, find out more about tabletop RPGs uh, and other games, things like Kingdom Death, which I just got down from the attic and I'm going to get back into playing. Um, exciting. Exciting. Um, you can head over to, you can email us at darkdaysradio at gmail.com. You can head over to our Facebook, our Instagram at darkdaysradio at on Twitter at Darker Days Radio. Obviously, all these links and more are found in our link tree. I think it's called a link tree. It's the thing that has all the links in it, which is in the show notes. Um, obviously, if you want to pick up our stuff on the Storyteller Vault, please go over there and buy them. They are cool and well regarded. Um, obviously, James, you have some stuff on the DMs Guild, so we can always link yeah. to that. There's some cool D&D stuff there. Uh and there are exciting streams, so you can follow up on Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay for Edition that David's been running. You can follow up on Iron Kings RPG that I've been running. You can find out more and watch all our streams of Wrath and Glory, the 40k RPG. Those are all on YouTube, either on Gehenna Gaming or on our Dark Days Radio YouTube. Uh, we should stream something more at some point, James, of some game that's a bit easier to stream. I think Ben has offered to use his rig to do the streaming end of it so we're not like crapping out my my thing with streaming and running a game at the same time or we or we play something that's a lot less um intense um uh for me less intense would also be running something through stadia because none of none of the none of the computation is done at my end um 
There's some fun games on there, like Cake Bash. I fucking love it. Um, anyway, I think that is everything for now, isn't it, James? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been real good. It's been real good talking uh, talking video games and uh, creepiness. Yeah, and we'll be back with some cool stuff in future. So stay tuned, and we'll speak to you all soon. So goodbye for now. Bye. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Thank you.